I heard that that was ugly. Came from a bitch who nigga wanna fuck on. I said my face bomb, ass tight, racks that go shack height. Jury on me, flashlight. I've been listening last night. Hit him with that good, good. Make a nigga act right. Broke boys don't deserve no pussy. I know that's right. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Boochcast. This week's episode is entitled SummerSlam Takeover. And the reason I'm calling it that is because this entire episode is only going to revolve around two topics. One is WWE SummerSlam, and the other is NXT TakeOver 36. Now, before I get into these, I will say one quick thing here, but I don't consider it a topic because it's more like a explanation and a disclaimer. Uh, the reason Elvis Delinsky is not joining me for the Boochcast this week is because after the SummerSlam watch party, which you can still watch on our Twitch channel, it's on twitch.tv slash theboochcast. You can check out the watch party. It'll be on there for about two weeks, and then once Twitch decides to take it down, we will then upload it to the uh, Boochcast YouTube channel. So it'll be on the YouTube channel in a couple of weeks, but for now, it's still on our Twitch channel, so you can check it out live. Now, after the uh, watch party that we had, Elvis, unfortunately, uh, suffered from food poisoning. 
Now, I won't go into detail about what went down at the party or how Elvis is feeling regarding the uh, food poisoning. I'll wait till Elvis is able to come back, and then we'll talk more about the actual watch party itself. Today, I'm just going to talk about the pay-per-view this week. So, Elvis got some food poisoning, so he wasn't able to do the show. Now, as for me, I was uh, dealing with some stuff uh, all day uh, Sunday. Um, I had to take uh, Buff Bagwell to the airport because he's going to be staying in uh, Florida for about a week. And then also I had some other things I had to do when I got home. And then while I was watching uh, NXT TakeOver 36, unfortunately at the time, I fell asleep uh, because I was so tired and so exhausted. So nothing to do with the quality of the pay-per-view and everything to do with the fact that I was just dead-ass fucking tired and I just passed the fuck out. I was unconscious, so I had no time to put a podcast together, and the only reason you're seeing the podcast this early, if you see on social media how late at night I posted this, it's because I literally just finished watching TakeOver 36, uh, at least the parts that I slept through. Like, at the time that I'm currently recording this, it is 12.10 a.m. on August 24th. It is midnight, uh, transitioning from Monday to Tuesday. And I would have watched TakeOver 36 a lot sooner, but I had some uh, family issues I had to deal with, and my phone was blowing up all day today. Some were business-related, some were personal-related, and one was from an individual who I have no desire to speak to at all, but yet still continues to call me. I won't say who that person is. I'll let you all play that guessing game for yourselves. But anyway, I've been dealing with that all day, so I finally got around to watching TakeOver 36, and as soon as I finished it, I set all this up here, and now I am ready to talk about these two pay-per-views. And like I said, when Elvis returns next week, we'll go back to our originally scheduled variety show, we'll talk more about the watch party, we'll get into some other wrestling talk, and we'll get into some other uh, personal or political stuff that we want to get into. I know there's a lot of topics going around that you're dying to hear us talk about, but I don't want to talk about them without Elvis present so what i will do is for you guys i will recap both these pay-per-views for you right now so first thing we're going to get into is wwe SummerSlam. we'll start here and we're going to skip the pre-show match because uh pre-show don't count so i'm not going to talk about biggie versus baron corbin i can give a fuck less uh biggie one kept his briefcase that's all i needed to know So we get to the opening contest for the Raw Tag Team Titles. AJ Styles and Omos defend the titles against RK Bro. Now, I will say that this is a very good opening contest. Uh, I thought uh, RK Bro really had amazing chemistry here. And you could tell that as a tag team, they're really going to be taken seriously. And pretty much what I thought was going to happen, happened. RK-Bro won the titles, and AJ Styles ate the pin in the middle of the ring. Because I knew Omos wasn't going to get pinned. I knew that for a fact. He's a big man. He's too dominant. He's not taking an L. AJ Styles was going to take the L. And he took it at the hands of Randy Orton. And now, Randy Orton and Matt Riddle are the tag team champions Uh, I definitely see these guys having a tag team title reign for a long time, and I'm okay with it because I figure if Matt Riddle is a tag team champion, it keeps him away from the singles titles, and I'm not real big on, as you guys know, I'm not a big Matt Riddle fan at all. 
Uh, I think he's an absolute fucking tool. I think he's disrespectful to the business. And I hate his promos because he sounds like a fucking 10-year-old when he talks. So I find Matt Riddle to be incredibly irritating. But I will admit, him and Randy Orton are having kind of a rock and sock connection vibe here. And they're making it work. But... Uh, like I said, not a fan of Matt Riddle, love Randy Orton, and if him being a tag team champion can keep him away from the singles titles, then I'm all for RK-Bro. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie. This was the sloppiest wrestling match I've seen in a long time. This match was so terrible, I thought I was watching an AEW women's match. That's how fucking bad this was. Okay? This makes this makes the tooth and nail match between Britt Baker and Big Swole look like Fabulous Moolah versus Wendy Richter. That's how fucking bad this match was. There it was sloppy. They were there was no chemistry. It was god awful. And it was just, these women had no chemistry whatsoever. And it reminded us why Eva Marie is not well-liked in the WWE. Because she can't fucking work a match. We know Alexa Bliss can work a match. We know she can. Uh, Eva Marie always had a bad reputation. But when she returned, I was willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, maybe she learned something during her time away. Maybe she got better in the ring. For a while, she was having Dewdrop, who's really Piper Niven, uh, fighting for her, which I thought was good from a heel perspective. Now she's going to get in the ring and show what she can do. And she showed she can do fucking nothing. Absolutely fucking nothing. This, this was a bad investment on WWE's part. Even if Eva Marie is not released by the end of this year, then WWE has officially lost their fucking minds. Now I know a lot of you guys think they already have with the releases they've done recently, but I can tell you right now, they're fucking crazy if Eva Marie is still here. The only highlight of this match for me was after the match, Piper Niven made it clear that uh Eva Marie lost the match, which makes me think that this whole dewdrop thing is about to fucking end and she's going to branch out on her own as Piper Niven and get rid of Eva Marie. This was not a good showing for either one of these two, uh, Alexa Bliss included, because a lot of people are pissed off at her because now that Bray Wyatt's gone, she's basically going to absorb his fucking gimmick. And it's just, it wasn't a good match. It wasn't a good showing. And it was the worst match of the night. God-awful. It was a disgrace to women's wrestling, and I said that. This makes women's wrestling look bad on a massive level. And I will say, though, as bad as this match was, there was one other match that was a disgrace to women's wrestling. But we'll get to that a little bit later. On that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the United States Championship. Sheamus defends the title against Damian priest this was a very well done match both these guys are big men both these guys are physical and both these guys are hard hitting and are known for being stiff in the ring and they took the fight to each other i enjoyed this immensely uh sheamus and damian priest 
Uh, I will say the crowd was a little bit dead for their match, but I blame the previous match for that. Also, you know, Sheamus and Damian Priest are not exactly well known for being good on getting excitement from the crowd. Like, psychology is not their thing. I mean, they're not terrible at it. They're decent at it, but not good enough to get a stadium to really go. Like, they, these are the type of guys where they need someone who's good with psychology to work with them to make a match successful. So the fact that neither one of them is good at psychology is what made this match not as good as it could have been. Again, from a physical standpoint, it was great. From a hard-hitting standpoint, it was great. It's just the crowd wasn't feeling it because these guys don't really have a lot of flair, showmanship, or the panache, you know? And they, you know, Damian Priest tries, but he's he's still not quite there as far as the having the panache. So, but either way, it did what it had to do. On that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the SmackDown Tag Team Titles. The Usos defend the titles against the Mysterios. This was a very good tag team match. And the reason it was good is because we've seen these guys wrestle each other so many times that they now have the chemistry down. And you can definitely see Dominic improving in every match, which is why I like the fact that he's kind of been in a tag team match with his father. So that way they can emphasize his strengths and hide his weaknesses. And it also gives him a chance to learn because when he's on the, when he's on the apron watching the match, he can watch and learn from three guys who know how to work. Because Rey Mysterio, as we all know, is a legendary luchador. He is one of the greatest of all time and a future Hall of Famer. Uh, you have the Usos, who in my opinion are the best tag team in WWE right now. Uh, they are incredibly talented, incredibly gifted. They are great as baby faces. They are great as heels. And ever since they reinvented themselves, they have put tag team wrestling on the map. These guys are fucking phenomenal. So Dominic Mysterio can learn a lot from all three of them. And then once he gets the tag and he gets in the ring, he can do what he what he does best. And these guy and the Usos are able to sell and work with him, which is good. Now, of course, in the end, they hit a double super kick to Ray and a top rope splash by Jay. One, two, three. The Usos retain the titles. Now, what I love about this is the fact that Ray took the pin. Now, I've noticed lately with Dominic, Ray's been kind of coaching him, calming him down, and trying to get him to relax from some mistakes that he's made. So I feel like there's already some tension there. So what I would like to see is at some point, I want to see Dominic turn on Rey Mysterio. I want to see the son betray the father, and here's what you do. You change Dominic's name Last name from Mysterio to Guerrero. Why? Because back in 2005, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero had a one-on-one match, a ladder match, for custody of Dominic. Because Eddie Guerrero said that he was the biological father of Dominic. Basically, he got this random chick pregnant, and then because she didn't want the baby, they gave it to Rey and his wife, because apparently at the time, Rey was shooting blanks. So they tried to create this whole storyline where 
uh, Eddie Guerrero was the biological father of Dominic. But Ray's like, no, Dominic is my son. I'm the one who's raised him. So they had the fight in a ladder match for custody because Eddie Guerrero was trying to get custody of Dominic. And Ray realized he was going to lose the custody battle, so he so he decided to uh, channel Eddie Guerrero's ego and said, hey, let's have a ladder match. Winner gets the custody of Dominic. And Ray Mysterio won and got custody of Dominic, having a great babyface moment. Because Vicky Guerrero was able to push the ladder over, get Eddie out of there, turn on Eddie, and help Ray win the, win the rights. Well, what I like to do is have Dominic... You know, say, you know, as a Mysterio, I fail, but as a Guerrero, I will succeed because I will lie and cheat and steal like my father did. And I think that'd be a great way for Dominic to be a heel. He could get his heat. He could do well with that. And then it would also cause a rivalry between him and Ray. And I think it would just, it would propel Dominic to another level. And I think he could work well as a heel because... Even though I don't see it, a lot of other people might see this as nepotism. And the reason I don't see it as nepotism is because Dominic Mysterio isn't getting any undeserved pushes because of who Ray is. The only title Dominic has had is a tag team championship with his father. To me, that's not nepotism. To me, that nepotism is what happens in a match later on. I'll give you an example of what nepotism is a little later on in this uh Recap, but either way, great tag team match. I hope that ending leads to that point because I feel like it'll be better for Dominic Mysterio. But as far as tag team wrestling goes, this was phenomenal. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for these, if we even want to call it that, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bianca Belair defends the title against Becky Lynch. Words cannot describe how pissed off I am about this moment. And I'm going to tell you why. Originally, this was supposed to be Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. But we find out that Sasha will not be competing. Now, we find out later Sasha Banks was injured and therefore unable to compete. So it looks like they're going to bring out Carmella. So Carmella comes out as the challenger. Bianca Belair is okay with that. Then all of a sudden, Becky Lynch's music hits and Becky Lynch returns to a loud pop from the fans. And even if you saw, even Elvis and Zach and I were like, what the fuck? Like, we were happy. I was happy that Becky Lynch came back. I'm glad to see the man in the ring. I am excited because we've all been anxiously awaiting the return of Becky Lynch Ever since, you know, the baby was born, we've been wondering, when's she coming back? What pay-per-view? We all thought maybe she'd come back for the Royal Rumble. I thought she'd come back for the Royal Rumble. Uh, we thought she'd be at WrestleMania, and she wasn't. So the see her at SummerSlam and Allegiant Stadium was massive. So she challenges Bianca Belair and says, how about the EST and the man tear it down? And Bianca's like, all right, let's do it. And then we're all excited, like, this is going to be a great match. And then the bell rings. Uh, Becky goes for the handshake. Uh, Belair extends her hand. All of a sudden, boom, she forearms her in the face, hits the manhandle slam, and one, two, three, and a squash match. Becky Lynch wins the SmackDown Women's title. And everybody is fucking pissed off. And I'm going to tell you why we're all pissed off. Let me clarify this right now. I have no problem with Becky Lynch 
coming back to WWE. I have no problem with her being in a SmackDown women's title match. And I'll take it a step further. I'm not even mad that Becky Lynch won the belt. What I'm mad about, what a lot of people are mad about, was that the match lasted 26 seconds. That is bullshit. That is a slap in the face to Bianca Belair and all the work she has put in. Bianca deserved better. If you had made that a competitive match, a knockdown, drag them out, competitive match, back and forth, false finishes, and in the end, Becky Lynch hits the manhandle slam and scored the one, two, three, nobody would have been upset that Bianca lost the title. But to lose it like that is fucking disgraceful. That's a disgrace to women's wrestling that they only get 26 seconds. Now, obviously, it's not Becky's fault. She's not a booker. She's not running the show. So I'm not mad at Becky. I'm mad at creative for burying Bianca Belair. After all the hard work she put in, winning the Royal Rumble, winning the women's title, going through the rivalry with Bayley, building up this match with Sasha, dealing with Carmella and Zelina Vega, overcoming all the odds, and just losing in 26 seconds to Becky Lynch. It fucked up all that buildup that they did. All the work they put in fucking destroyed it. Is anyone out there saying we need to let it play out or shut up and enjoy the return can go fuck themselves? Because, yeah, the crowd popped and the company produced a documentary on Lynch's comeback. But the damage done to Bel Air's credibility negates all of it. There's no way you can justify this decision. It's disgraceful, it's stupid, and it kills the women's division. And the last thing the women's division needs is more bullshit to deal with. And again, I'll be discussing more about that later on in the show. Because there's already enough bullshit going on on the Raw women's division. Now you got the SmackDown women's division, we got to deal with this. Okay? Women's wrestling already has enough time a hard enough time getting respect. There's a lot of old school people in this business, and I know this because I've met them personally, who shit on women's wrestling. They don't like it, they don't enjoy it, and most people that I know only book it because people out there want to see it. But they have standards for the type of women's wrestlers that they book. And trust me, when they do, looks are more important than how well you can work. I promise you that. I'm not saying that's the right way. I'm just saying that's the way most old school people look at the business. And this was fucking pathetic. Bianca Belair deserved way better than this. She is better than this. This kills all her credibility. And for what? To have shock value for Becky Lynch? How do you follow this up? Are we supposed to have a a rematch at Extreme Rules where the match is going to be longer? There's nothing you can do. You just embarrassed your champion on 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 a grand stage. Fucking disgraceful. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal. This was a fairly decent match. I will say this, if you are a fan of actual wrestling, and by that I mean 
Just basic working wrestling. No crazy high spots. No flippy dippy bullshit. No ridiculous storytelling. If you wanted just a straight up fight, this was the match for you. It was a great match. Ultimately, um, Drew McIntyre hits the Claymore for the win. And then Shanky and Veer pick up uh, Jinder Mahal and carry him to the back because they eventually come out to help help him after the match because they were banned from ringside. But it was just a decent match. This is a match that you would normally see on Monday Night Raw, but I honestly believe it was there to be filler. This is a filler match. You know, they got a long pay-per-view. They need to fill the time. Let's just throw these guys out there. Although they could have filled the time a lot better if they gave Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch a longer fucking match. But beggars can't be choosers. So these guys did their job. I think both these guys are great. Both of them are fantastic wrestlers. I'd love to see Jinder Mahal get another run with the WWE title. Drew McIntyre as well. But with Drew, I want to wait a long time because he already had a long-ass title reign. So I can wait on Drew, but if Jinder got another shot soon... I'd be okay with it. Because contrary to what other people might think, I think Jinder Mahal did great as WWE Champion. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship. Nikki A.S.H. defends the title against Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. This match right here was the worst form of nepotism I've ever seen. Once again, the queen of privilege has to bury the women's division under her boots. This was, again, killing credibility. You have Nikki A.S.H. win the money in the bank, shocking everyone, cashing in the briefcase, and winning the title, thus taking a gimmick that looks stupid and goofy and silly that in the beginning nobody took seriously and now we take it seriously because she's got a title. One of the best decisions you could have ever made and what do they do? They tap her out to Charlotte Flair so she can win that 12th world heavyweight title because they wanted to win as many of those as possible so she can tie her father and be exactly like her father despite the fact that she is nothing like her dad. She wishes she could have the legacy her father had. This is a prime example of a spoiled queen. I would say princess, but apparently she's the queen of privilege. Like, if Check Your Privilege was a person, it would be Charlotte Flair. Like, everybody talks about John Cena, and back in the day, he had a golden shovel. Everybody talks about Triple H having a golden shovel. Everyone talks about Hulk Hogan having a golden shovel. There are so many legends in this business that get accused of burying people, not doing jobs for people, and just being all about themselves. Meanwhile, we see Charlotte Flair being a human embodiment of that, and nobody talks about it. Why? Because she's the daughter of the woo nature boy who was not, who also was not immune to being a politician from time to time in the locker room. This is this is the absolute disgrace to wrestling. And the fucked up part is, I knew it was going to happen. Because I know anytime Charlotte's in a match, they have to hand her a belt. 
Because whenever she's on TV, she has to have a title. Why? Because she's one of those people that doesn't that needs to have a belt with her. Otherwise, she's not worth watching. There are some people who are big enough stars that they don't need a title in order to be over. Charlotte needs to be a champion in order to be over because she can't get over on her own. And that is why I call her the queen of privilege and why she is the human embodiment of nepotism. It's the worst form of nepotism. Because even though Ric Flair's not with the company anymore, he's still well-respected. And as a result, Charlotte will still be handed everything on a silver fucking platter. And people are going to tell me, well, the match was good. I don't give a fuck. As far as I'm concerned, if the finish is shit, the match is shit. Because that's the pop that matters. And this was disgraceful. Because this is why women's wrestling in WWE is always going to be a challenge. Because they can't get anyone else over because they bury everyone under one person. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Edge versus Seth Rollins. This, ladies and gentlemen, was the match of the night. Right here. This was the best match on the card. Right here. Not a single match in this in this company was better than this on this show. Edge and Seth Rollins tore the fucking house down. Psychology, storytelling, false finishes, hard hitting. Even the entrances were great. Edge coming out to the old brood music and his old brood entrance. And then walking halfway down the ramp. And then all of a sudden, they play his normal music and he comes out to that. Seth Rollins in the ring. It was just, it was amazing. These guys hit everything they could at each other. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at each other. And they were kicking out and fighting back. Both these men proved themselves to be fucking warriors. And there were times where it looked like Seth Rollins was going to stomp Edge into the ground, but Edge was able to dodge it and counter it every fucking time. In fact, you know, Seth Rollins tried to hit the pedigree because he's a heel now, so he's using Triple H's move. Then Edge used his wife's finisher, the Glam Slam, to try and get a pin. And then at one point, Edge eventually, you know, uh, he applies a crossface smashing Rollins' face into the mat a few times before locking it again and getting Seth Rollins to tap out. And then Edge wins the match. It was great. The submission moves were also phenomenal. Like, this was pure wrestling at its finest. These guys knew how to work, knew how to tell a story, and as a result, they fucking crushed it. You you couldn't have asked for a better match on the card and you couldn't have asked for two better guys to put on this type of wrestling clinic. And Edge, he needed this win because he had already suffered a major loss at WrestleMania. And plus, I feel like this rivalry is going to go on for a long time. Especially with the rumors going around that Becky Lynch might be turning heel on this run. And if that's the case, then we could see a heel, Seth and Becky, take on a babyface, Edge, and Beth Phoenix in some kind of mixed tag match. And... On that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the WWE Championship. Bobby Lashley defends the title against Goldberg. This match right here was, it was sad. It was sad. Uh, And I'm not saying that from an in-ring standpoint. I'm saying that because of how the match sadly ended. Uh, Basically, Goldberg and Lashley Early on, these guys were attacking each other. Goldberg got the best of Lashley. And what I loved about it was Goldberg hit a couple moves 
that he normally never hits before. Goldberg in this match was trying to show that he can do more than just spear and jackhammer, which is what I liked and what a lot of people wanted to see, more of an arsenal from Goldberg. But then something happened in the match that most people did not catch. At one point in the match, uh, Goldberg and Lashley are trading suplexes trying to lift each other. They lift each other up but couldn't get them up all the way, so they land back on their feet and doing that back and forth. Well, at one point, when Goldberg hit, when his feet hit the mat, he tweaked his knee the way he landed. He landed wrong and tweaked his knee, so he was kind of limping. So what they did was, because most people couldn't notice it, MVP chose to whack Goldberg in the knee with his cane. And then Lashley came in with a couple chop blocks in order to, you know, help them sell the knee injury. And then for whatever reason, Goldberg got sent to the ring post on the floor. Fans in Vegas expressed their support of the Almighty. And then Goldberg was collapsing on the mat and not able to stand because of the knee injury. So the ref eventually called for the bell. And because of referee stoppage, Bobby Lashley ended up winning the match. And then he attacks Goldberg with the chair, unloading with... Uh, chair shots. Goldberg's son Gage jumps in the ring, but then Brock Lesnar, I mean, sorry, Bobby Lashley quickly flips him over, puts in the hurt lock and takes him out, but he didn't know that was his son till he was already unconscious. So, of course, Goldberg checks on his son. Goldberg is pissed off, and then it looks like they might be setting this up for a rematch in uh, Saudi Arabia. Now, I will say this. Obviously, the fans were not excited for this match. A lot, some of the fans were excited for Goldberg, but they quickly turned on him and went for Bobby Lashley. So here's what I think should happen. If these two are going to have a rematch, it needs to happen in Saudi Arabia, if they're going back to Saudi Arabia. And the reason I say that is because the fans in Saudi Arabia will appreciate this match more than the people in the States. If they try to book this for extreme rules, it's not going to work. I would go as far as to say, book the match for Saudi Arabia. And whatever happens, happens. If Bobby Lashley retains, he retains. If Goldberg is going to win, then he wins. But I still believe that they should go with the original plan that I thought should have happened at SummerSlam, and that is when MVP interferes this time, it causes a disqualification, Goldberg takes everybody out, and then Big E cashes in the briefcase, Big E takes the title from Bobby Lashley, and then they celebrate with a new day and they stick it to Bobby Lashley one last time. I thought that would have been a better finish than what we got, but obviously with Goldberg injuring his knee, they couldn't plan for anything, so Lashley had to take the victory. Now, whether or not this knee injury was planned, I don't know. I personally don't think it was. I think it was a shoot injury and they did what they had to do, but either way, the match did not deliver. So it was a disappointing match. But I'm not giving Goldberg shit for it because he hurt his knee, okay? Accidents in the ring happen, okay? So on that note, uh, we move on to the main event of the evening for the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns defends the title against John Cena. All right. This was a fantastic match. Do I think it was better than Edge and Seth Rollins? No. But it's still a main event caliber match that delivered. But I definitely think this match revolved more around storytelling and psychology rather than in-ring work and trying to have a technical or brutal match. I feel like it was just Roman Reigns beating the shit out of John Cena 
and John Cena trying to get every single type of pinfall he could get from, you know, roll-ups to inside cradles. Of course, we got the five moves of doom, uh, the S the STFU, um, and then of course we got two at we got three attitude adjustments, one in the ring, one to the announce table, and one off the top rope. And Roman Reigns kicked out of all of them. And then eventually Roman hits a bunch of Superman punches. He hits the spear and gets the victory. Now I now there are some people out there who think Roman Reigns winning was the right call. I disagree completely. I believe John Cena should have walked out with the title because I'm thinking again. I'm thinking to myself, who else? Roman Reigns has run through everybody on the full-time roster. It's going to take a part-timer at this point to beat Roman Reigns. And I felt John Cena should have done it. Because A, John Cena is one title reign away from becoming the 17-time world champion. And I believe John Cena deserves to break Ric Flair's record. Why? Because John Cena is the WWE. With the exception of Vince McMahon and Triple H and maybe even The Undertaker, I don't see anybody else who loves the WWE more than John Cena. There's a lot of wrestlers in WWE right now, but they would be more than happy to pack up and go somewhere else if they get released. John Cena is the kind of guy where he ain't jumping ship to another company. Unless Tony Khan throws so much money at him that he would be a fool to turn it down, I don't see John Cena ever going to AEW. I see no reason for it. John Cena's got such a great career in Hollywood, he doesn't need money from Tony Khan. So therefore, he's not going to go there. He's a WWE guy through and through. He deserves this. And plus, unlike Ric Flair, John Cena has held his 16 titles all in WWE. The only reason Ric Flair is even acknowledged as a 16-time champion is because WWE bought WCW. Because Ric Flair was technically only a two-time WWE champion. His other 14 titles were in WCW. And at one point in his career, I think it was in 1990, he was on the booking committee. In fact, he was the head booker of the show. Coincidence? I don't think so. So that's all I'm saying. John Cena deserves to break Ric Flair's record. And... They even said if Cena had left, he would have left with the belt and he would have eventually came back for WrestleMania. And I know people don't like the fact that part-timers take the belt and go away. I myself have had a problem with that with Brock Lesnar. Now, I didn't necessarily have a problem with Brock Lesnar sitting at home with the belt. I had a problem with Brock Lesnar sitting at home with the belt and the secondary titles, the U.S. title, the Intercontinental title, not being elevated in its absence. And also, the whole purpose of this was for Roman Reigns to be embarrassed. So Cena taking the belt and going away, and everybody giving Roman Reigns shit for letting a part-timer run off with the belt would have been a great storyline to tell. And then Roman would spend the next few months trying to redeem himself in the eyes of the WWE by showing that I'm here. And that I will eventually get the title back. But because Roman Reigns said on SmackDown before Survivor Se- SummerSlam, sorry, he said, I'm leaving WWE if I lose. At that moment, you pretty much knew Roman was going to win. But I couldn't change my pick because I'd already locked it in. So I was pissed about that. So I'm not, I, I'm ha- I'm, I like the match, but I don't like the fact that Roman Reigns won. Because now, who's going to beat him? Well, apparently we got our answer because after the match, Brock Lesnar made a stunning return, popping the crowd, 
and leaving Reigns and Paul Heyman retreating to the locker room. Now, what was great about this was the fact that when Brock Lesnar came back, he had a completely different look, and he was actually, like, you know, trying to get the fans to go crazy. So it looks like Brock Lesnar's actually getting his passion back for the business and trying to establish himself as a babyface. And also, Paul Heyman had a look on his face like a man getting caught having an affair. Like his wife walked in on him fucking another woman. That kind of look. And then Roman, of course, backs down. So here's the million-dollar question. Are Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar going to have a match at Extreme Rules? And if that's the case, is Brock Lesnar going to win the title or is Roman going to beat Brock Lesnar? Because really, the only we've already seen these two fight twice already. So the only motivation, really, is the fact that this would be the third and final match between them. Because technically, uh, they wrestled each other three times but only got one victory over each other because they first had a match at WrestleMania 31. But Captain Digpick cashed in the briefcase in the middle of the match, curb stomped Roman Reigns, and walked out with the title. So technically, they didn't get a victory there. Then at WrestleMania 34, Brock Lesnar beat Roman Reigns, which was a bunch of horse shit, as I mentioned before. Then, uh, at SummerSlam later that year, Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar to win the Universal title from him. So they each have one victory over each other, so this could be the rubber match. Also, if Brock Lesnar beats Roman Reigns, then at Survivor Series, assuming that Bobby Lashley is still the champion at that point, we could see Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley at Survivor Series. We finally get the dream match that we wanted. Because that's who people wanted to see. We wanted to see Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Not Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg. Again, I have no issues with Goldberg. I'm a huge fan. But I know what the fans really wanted to see. Like, if anything, they want to see Goldberg face Roman Reigns. And I feel like if Brock doesn't take it from him, Goldberg might be the next to do it. Because I know at some point, the plan is for Roman Reigns to face The Rock. So if Roman Reigns is the Universal Champion going into WrestleMania, does that mean The Rock is going to take it from him? Like, Roman Reigns has run through every full-time wrestler on the roster. The only one left really is Seth Rollins. So unless Seth Rollins is going to be the guy to beat Roman Reigns... You're going to have to let a part-timer do it. And Cena's the perfect guy to do it. Because if there's one wrestler in all of WWE who deserves to work part-time, it's John Cena. Because he was a full-time wrestler from 2002 to 2016. And from 2005 to 2016, he was the top guy in the company. He carried that company on his back with one of the most impressive runs ever. So he's earned the right to be a part-timer. He's earned the right to take that belt to Hollywood and sit there for a few months and let Roman Reigns be embarrassed that he let the title get away. John Cena would be perfect for this. But now it looks like it's going to be Brock Lesnar. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not excited for this match. Unless Brock Lesnar's going to win. Because, again, there's nobody else left, really, to beat Roman Reigns. Unless you want to reshuffle the deck which would be fucking stupid at this point. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this recap of WWE SummerSlam. I'm going to take a short break here, and when I come back, I'll get into NXT TakeOver 36 here on the Boochcast. So you guys sit tight. I shall return right after this.
Hello, and welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the song The Regress, which is the official theme song of NXT TakeOver 36. And it doesn't really say who the song is by, so I'm not even going to get into that right now. I'm just going to say it is time for the recap of NXT TakeOver 36. And obviously I did not do a recap for the go-home NXT, uh, because I'll be honest, last week I did kind of miss it. So I think this TakeOver should make up for that. Uh, I'm hoping to do a recap of NXT uh, this week. Although I will be busy on Tuesday, uh, so if I have time, I will be able to do a recap. If not, then I'll probably just do a double recap uh, next week when I'm able to. But I should have time to do a recap this week uh, with Buff in Florida. So if I'm not able to watch it Tuesday night, I'll be able to watch it Wednesday and not get a recap then. So we'll see what happens. But anyway... Uh, that's in the future. We're getting to the present right now. And the presently, we are talking about TakeOver 36. And apparently there was a pre-show match with Ridge Holland and Trey Baxter. Uh, pre-show don't count. I didn't watch it, nor do I give a fuck. So uh, if you liked it, you liked it. If you didn't, you didn't. Um, hopefully Ridge won because I like seeing the push he's getting. But anyway, we're getting to the first official match of the evening for the Million Dollar Championship. L.A. Knight defends the title against Cameron Grimes with Ted DiBiase. And this match was awesome. From start to finish, this was a perfect opening match. I didn't expect this to be the opening match, but it still delivered. Both these guys did great, especially with Cameron Grimes coming out and throwing away the butler attire before the match and showing off his... Uh, new attire now that he's uh, free from being L.A. Knight's butler because apparently, regardless of the stipulation, Cameron Grimes was no longer going to be a butler. It was either Cameron Grimes walks out with the title or the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, becomes the butler. And both these guys put on a technical wrestling clinic. As I mentioned many, many times before, L.A. Knight is a phenomenal in-ring technician, um, and Cameron Grimes is as well. So these guys were on fire. It was amazing. Even Ted DiBiase gave him a moment to blast the million-dollar champion with a drop kick. Um, it was amazing. Like, you know, kind of, you know, slingshotted him into it. Like, this was a great fucking match. And uh, even L.A. Knight had his moments where it looked like he was going to win. But both these guys worked very well together. The chemistry was on point. And in the end, Cameron Grimes was able to hit the cave-in after, uh, after DiBiase used the million-dollar championship to strike the referee. He hit Knight, choked him out with the million-dollar dream. And then Grimes hit the cave-in. One, two, three. Your winner and the new million-dollar champion, Cameron Grimes. Now, I like the fact that Cameron Grimes has the title. Uh, with all due respect to L.A. Knight, as much as you guys know me, I love L.A. Knight. I practically worship the damn ground he walks on. I think he is a future, a world champion, both in NXT and on the main roster. I feel like he could win any major championship. And that's why I'm kind of glad 
he's venturing away from the million dollar title. Because I really didn't like that aspect of his gimmick. The whole trying to be a millionaire and all that. I want to see LA Knight just whoop ass. So I want to see him uh, go for the North American Championship or slingshot him all the way to the NXT Championship. I feel like this is a great wrestler who is a future champion, future legend, future Hall of Famer. The worst thing NXT or WWE in general can do is sleep on LA Knight. This guy is money. And he doesn't need the million dollar championship. He needs a real championship. And that's what he needs to start chasing now that he no longer has this belt. Let Cameron Grimes and all his money and his gimmick, let him strut around with the million dollar championship. Let him and Ted DiBiase have some fun segments and some laughs. LA Knight needs to move on from this shit and venture on to bigger and better things. And that should be his attitude going forward without the million dollar championship. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the NXT Women's Championship. Raquel Gonzalez defends the title against Dakota Kai. Now, I have mixed feelings about this match. Because on the one hand, after all the shitty women's wrestling that I saw at SummerSlam with three women's matches, all of them being garbage, it was nice to see a women's title match that was actually fucking good. And this is what I love about NXT. They have, hands down, the best women's roster in all of wrestling today. I would put the NXT women's roster up against the women's roster of any other brand or company. They are better than the Raw women's division, They are better than the SmackDown women's division. They are definitely better than AEW. It is definitely better than Impact, Ring of Honor. They don't even care about women over there. Uh, NWA, anywhere. You pick a wrestling company. I promise you, their women's division doesn't measure up to NXT. I promise you that. So I loved seeing some great women's wrestling after the shitty women's matches we saw at SummerSlam. However, the one issue I have, the one complaint, is the finish. Because with all due respect to Raquel Gonzalez, I strongly believe Dakota Kai should have won the title. Dakota deserved this title win. She should be the women's champion right now, Dakota Kai. But unfortunately, Raquel retained the title, and then Kaylee Ray from the UK came over and stared down Raquel, basically saying she's going to be next in line to face Raquel Gonzalez. She dominated NXT UK. There's nothing left for her to do over there, so it makes sense for her to come here because we can use more women and more stars in the company. So... I I do think it's bullshit that Dakota Kai is not the champion right now. So that's really my only complaint. Outside of that, the match itself was great. And I don't know what Kaylee Ray is going to do, if she's going to win the NXT Women's title from Raquel, if it's going to happen on NXT TV or at the next TakeOver, which will probably happen sometime around Survivor Series or October, because I know sometimes they like to have standalone TakeOvers away from the main roster weekend. But they always try to have one there. I know Survivor Series is going to have uh, the War Games. So there probably won't even be a women's title match because they'll probably be in 
the you know the the takeover war games. It might be Team Raquel versus Team Dakota. You know, we might do that. You know, something there where they basically, you know, Raquel puts a team together and then Dakota Kai puts a team together and then they face off in the war games. Because right now, they seem to have the strongest rivalry going into all of this. So, or maybe at some point it'll end with Dakota Kai winning the title because I believe she deserves to be women's champion. She's a phenomenal heel. She hung in there with Raquel and had an amazing match and took her to the limit, which is something that very few women in NXT have been able to do. So, I love the match, but I did not enjoy the finish. I believe Dakota Kai should have won. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the NXT UK Championship. Walter defends the title against Iha Dragunov. This was a five-star fucking match. I usually don't do the star thing. I know that's Meltzer's department. But for me, perfection. This match was perfection. It was brutal. It was violent. It was what British wrestling is supposed to be. And they have their own style, their own way of doing things, and they went out there and did it. And everything in this match looked believable. I could believe in what I was seeing. Because even though Dragunov is not as big as Walter, the way they structured the match, nothing looked fake. Nothing looked phony. Everything looked believable. And that is what you're supposed to do. Especially if you're facing someone that has a size advantage over you. The trick is to make the fight look believable. So if the smaller guy is beating up the bigger guy, it's done in a way that makes logical sense to the untrained eye. Because most of those fans in the stands are untrained eyes. This could not have gone better. I will say I was shocked that there was a tap out. After uh, Dragunov locked in a sleeper hold, and then the, and then you know the, he broke it, he locked it back in again. Then he knee, then he started kneeling Walter with elbow strikes, just bam, 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 and then locked the sleeper in again, and then Walter tapped out. I'm not gonna lie, I was shocked to see the tap out, and I don't know if that tap out was the best way to go. I feel like that really hurts Walter. Because especially as Walter has been the longest reigning NXT UK champion. In fact, he may be one of the longest reigning champions in modern day wrestling with that title. Although, although I do have to say, COVID played a role in that ti- in that you know title reign because it took longer for the UK to get back on track than it did for the states. You know, with COVID and everything. So you got to take that into account. But either way, this was a phenomenal match. I dare say the match of the night. This was the match of the night right here because it was brutal. It was fun to watch. And if you've never seen NXT UK before, it's definitely going to make you want to watch again. Because I'll be honest, I don't watch NXT UK. I don't even watch their takeovers. But I'm going to tell you right now, if these two have a rematch on a UK show, I'm definitely going to watch. Even if I watch the encore and just fast forward to this match, I want to see these two go at it again. I want to see them go at it again. Because they fucking crushed it. Crushed it. And in fact, at one point, I even liked the powerbomb on the ring apron. I thought that was violent. In fact, if I may be so bold to say, 
This was more violent than anything the main roster did at SummerSlam. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening, the undisputed finale, three stages of hell, Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. This was a brilliant, well-done match. And what I love most about it is the match was done exactly the way it needed to be done. The first fall was a straight-up match, regular match, and Kyle O'Reilly won. Since Adam Cole won the straight-up match at Great American Bash, Kyle O'Reilly needed to beat Adam Cole in a straight-up match to prove that technically he's better than him. The second fall was a street fight, and Adam Cole won that. And, and he needed to win that since Kyle O'Reilly won at Stand and Deliver, which was unsanctioned and violent and all that. So Adam Cole needed to show that he can be just as brutal and just as violent as Kyle O'Reilly. So it made sense. Then they bring in the cage. And the cage match did great. These men fucking killed each other, destroyed each other, and left it all in the ring. And then, of course, in the end, uh, Adam Cole does the typical heel thing, handcuffs Kyle O'Reilly to the rope, taunts him, hits him with a bunch of super kicks. Eventually, Kyle O'Reilly fights out, locks in a heel hook, and with the use of one arm, causes Adam Cole to tap out. And Kyle O'Reilly wins the final fall, and now Kyle O'Reilly beats Adam Cole. Now, what I love about this is the fact that Kyle O'Reilly got to be put over, which was what needed to happen. Because as I mentioned before, Adam Cole has done it all in NXT. I have all the love and respect in the world for Adam Cole. But Kyle O'Reilly needed this to be cemented as a top guy in NXT. As Adam Cole is definitely moving on from all of this. Because he needs to either go to the main roster or go to AEW. Now, I don't want Adam Cole to go to AEW because I feel like there's a lot more for him to do in WWE. As I mentioned before, Vince McMahon is very high on Adam Cole. Vince wants to keep Adam Cole around. He's offering him a lot of money to stay from what I've been reading. And they want to call him up to the main roster. I believe Adam Cole should go to the main roster, but he needs to go to SmackDown. Because there's more for him to do on the SmackDown roster They need more top guys over there because Roman Reigns has already run through fucking everyone. So Monday Night Raw, Adam Cole is going to get lost in the sauce. In SmackDown, he'll be taken more seriously. And also, Pat McAfee is on SmackDown, which could reignite the rivalry between Pat McAfee and Adam Cole, thus setting up a great match for WrestleMania. And you build that up to WrestleMania. Because Pat McAfee is great on the mic, great in the ring, and as a commentator has gotten insanely over with the crowd. So you take a babyface Pat McAfee and put him in the ring with a heel Adam Cole and you will make money. Meanwhile, in NXT, Kyle O'Reilly can get the run that he needs now that he's established himself as a top guy and has proven that he is not the odd man out in the Undisputed Era. The reality is the real odd man out was the guy who got released, Bobby Fish. But we'll talk more about that in a future episode. And on that note, we're going to move on to the main event of the evening for the NXT Championship. Karrion Cross defends the title against Samoa Joe. This was a great match. 
Very well done. Not a lot of craziness, not a lot of bells and whistles, but still a phenomenal match. Joe got violent, proved that he was great. Uh, Karrion Cross showed that he is still a badass in the ring as a NXT champion. Uh, obviously, Samoa Joe is a little bit out of breath, but he hasn't wrestled a full match in a long time, so he needed to get used to that. But because these guys are more submission-based and physical than anything, Samoa Joe didn't have to worry about doing too much crazy shit in the ring, and they could actually work, which they did. And I love how uh, he uh, Samoa Joe locked in the Kokia clutch. Uh, Karrion Cross turned into a cross jacket. Joe almost passed out but then eventually fights his way out, hits a Uranagi, and then an Insiguri to cross on the top rope. The muscle buster, one, two, three. The winner of the match, Samoa Joe. So Samoa Joe is now officially the NXT champion. He is the first ever three-time NXT champion, and he deserved the win because it looks like Karrion Cross is going to be permanently on the main roster, and the next night on Raw, he shows up in new gear, He's got a mask on, you know, he's got this, he's got these like weird uh, outfit on, but he beats the shit out of Ricochet, which I thought was fucking great. And especially now after the stupid 50-50 booking they did with Jeff Hardy and Keith Lee, it looks like now he's going to get a dominant push and start fucking people up as well. He should because it's been fucking garbage that he hasn't, but now it looks like Karrion Cross is going to get the respect he deserves on Monday Night Raw. And of course Samoa Joe. Is going to definitely put NXT back on the map. He's going to definitely have some great matches. I don't know who's going to take the belt from him. But I know he's got a hell of a future. With these young, with these other guys in NXT. That he can work with. I feel like this is going to be a great resurgence. For Samoa Joe. Whether or not he ever comes back to the main roster. I don't know. But if he does. I already know a few opponents he can work with. One, of course, definitely needs to be John Cena. Not just because, you know, it would be a great match, but because of the history Samoa Joe and John Cena have before they got into WWE because they're actually really good friends behind the scenes. So either way, great match, great action. Both these guys deserve it. My only complaint about this match was that at one point while Joe was in the cross jacket, Joe was adjusting his pants, like trying to pull his pants up. Which I hate it because to me, it made the chokehold look fake. The cross jacket looked fake. And I'll tell you why. In real life, if someone's choking you to death, the last thing you're going to care about is your pants falling down or potentially falling down. Your goal is get the fuck out of this chokehold. So if his pants did fall down, yeah, it would have been embarrassing, but it looks even dumber if you're adjusting your pants while someone's choking you to death. And he did it like two or three times. So that's the only thing that happened in this match that pissed me off. But other than that, phenomenal match. Great main event. And the right man won. Joe's got the belt. Cross is now on the main roster. And we'll see how both these men do in the future. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will, of course, wrap up this recap of NXT TakeOver 36. I thank you guys for tuning in as we are now officially wrapping up this week's episode of the Boochcast. Make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site. Follow us there. Or you can be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, 
Be sure to like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have great, we have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Uh, we have the recent episode of the Male Soap Opera Moment where Wens and I gave our predictions for SummerSlam as well as talked a little bit about Money in the Bank. So if you want to go listen to our predictions and then come back here and find out uh, which one of us was right and which one of us was wrong, go check that out on the Facebook page right now. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos uh, from the Boochcast. Uh, we got some more content up there coming soon. Also, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can check out our episodes of the Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring, as well as our D&D one-shot, archived, ep- archived episodes of our wrestling watch parties, other fun skits, and we got more content coming soon, including new episodes of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring, including parts one and two of Brian Pillman, the ultraviolence of Nick Gage, the collision in Korea, the ultimate warrior, in the shadow of Grizzly Smith, and the dynamite kid. All coming soon to the YouTube channel. Also coming soon will be our WWE SummerSlam watch party, which will be up there in a couple of weeks. So make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you can check out all the content we have on there and the new content coming soon. So make sure you guys hit the subscribe button, ring that bell to be notified so you don't miss a thing. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where you can check out our SummerSlam watch party right now. If you don't want to wait till it comes on YouTube, go to the Twitch page right now. It'll be up there. That's also where we do our other live wrestling watch parties. You can live chat with us during the shows. Our next watch party will be November 21st, 2021 for WWE Survivor Series. That's right. We'll be back in November for WWE Survivor Series. Also on there, we have our live D&D show, which is set to start um, sometime in October after John and his fiance get married and come back from their honeymoon, uh, we will be starting the D and D show. And, uh, also we got a big surprise coming for the D and D show. Still can't reveal it yet. I know that's driving you all crazy, but when the time is right, I will reveal it and you guys will love every second of it. Uh, and finally, make sure you guys support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Uh, There are three different levels you can contribute at. The first level is you can contribute 99 cents per month to the Boochcast. 99 cents per month. You can help keep the Boochcast going. Uh, We are going to have separate prizes for each tier. We don't have them set up quite yet. But once we do, we will let you guys know. If you should decide to contribute before we come out with a prize... Uh, once the prizes are out, we will still send them to you. If you want to wait till we come out with the prizes, you're more than welcome to do so. But 99 cents per month is the first level. Level two is $4.99 per month. So the same price you would pay for a Peacock subscription, you can support the Booch Cast. I know a lot of you guys don't like the Peacock. That's fine. Bring that $4.99 over here. We got better content than the Peacock anyway. And of course, the final level is you can contribute to the show for a mere That's right. The same amount of money you used to pay for a WWE Network subscription, you can now use that to support the Boochcast. You got nowhere to put that $9.99 now that the network's no longer available in the States. So take that $9.99 and bring it over here. We got better content than the network anyway. And you can pay with a credit card 
or with GPay. And the money you guys donate to the show goes back into the show in some capacity, whether it's by upgrading the equipment, bringing in bigger name guests, uh, paying the bills, or taking care of the guys who work hard behind the scenes to make the Boochcast possible. So if you have a favorite co-host and you feel they deserve to be paid for the hard work they're doing, go to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support Donate what you can to help keep the show going and take care of everybody that's working hard here at the show. Your donations go into this show in some capacity. So you know your money is going towards something that you enjoy. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.